Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. The Waco History Podcast is sponsored by Brotherwell Brewery on Historic Bridge Street in Waco. Cross the Brazos and Waco, ride hard and I'll make it by dawn. Cross the Brazos and Waco, I'm safe when I... Welcome to the Waco History Podcast. I'm Mike Hamilton with Rogue Media Network. We're very proud to be the new home of the Waco History Podcast and hope to do Randy proud now that he has moved on. As always, your host, Dr. Stephen Sloan of Baylor's Institute of Oral History is helping us all learn Waco's known and unknown stories. Welcome back for part two of Dr. Sloan's interview with former city manager, Larry Grove. Cross the Brazos and Waco, ride hard and I'll make it by dawn. But you're, you're, you're going to get pulled back in uh, to, to working for the city. Uh, I know that's the next kind of job transition, uh, assistant city manager. So how did you make that decision that you, that you wanted to kind of go back in? I mean, you're, you're still working in conjunction with the city. Yes. But how did you make that decision to kind of step back into a role like that? Well, um, actually, one of my long-term uh, friends and coworker. Uh, Wiley Stem, who uh, just retired as city manager. Uh-huh. He was an assistant for me. Uh, he was actually an assistant city manager at that time. And Wiley and I, Wiley was in utilities. And so in the 80s when we were doing all those water projects, sewer projects, I mean, he was right there. And so we developed a, a good relationship. And um, I can't remember. I think, I think I was coming out of city hall and stepped to city hall, and Wiley was coming up, and he said, Hey, Larry. I mean, it was just, you know, kind of, he said, uh, city manager's going to hire another assistant. We think you'd be good at it. <laughs> Kathy Rice, who was a city manager at that time, uh, Wiley mentioned me, and, and Kathy just, well, you just go try to convince him to come back up here. And I know it's going to be hard because he loves it down there. Wiley asked me if I'd be interested. And I said, well, I'll, let me think about it. And uh, it just was, uh, it seemed like a good opportunity again, doing something a little bit different. Um, and I felt at that time, I'd been to the zoo five years. That was 2000. Um, had done those projects we talked about. Um, I think gave the, the, the zoo some stability, um, developed a lot of contacts, had a lot of people supporting the zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I felt it was time not only for me to move, but I thought it felt it was time for the zoo director to be actual what I would consider a zoo professional mm-hmm. who had had training. You know, I mean, I, I, mine was on the job mm-hmm. and uh, that c- could make some decisions probably better than I could, uh, particularly concerning animal welfare or uh, animal exhibits or whatever. Mm-hmm. So 
I just thought it was a good time for me and the zoo. And, and it's always good to pick those times when the parting is beneficial to both parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you talked about it in your oral history interview about, um, you know, planning for animal population sizes and acquisitions of animals and just that that level of challenges that particularly a maturing zoo faces that would be different than than in say in 94 95 different problems that you're dealing with yeah Yeah. um okay and so uh you transition and so this is the third assistant city manager they're adding a third is that the uh, actually we're adding a fourth adding a fourth okay yeah, okay I was the fourth. you were the fourth and what were your area as you came on board what, what were your areas of responsibility i had uh, luckily uh, departments that i was pretty familiar with okay um, i had uh, engineering traffic um, building inspection trying to think what else <laughs> something else another one other area i think uh, that that were kind of in the construction area you know public works kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, so it was i was i was f- uh, familiar with all my areas and and and, and had good relationships with all the the uh, department directors and so it was a it was an easy transition okay good one one thing I know you're working on then, and I've been wanting to ask you about this. Um, talk to me about Waco Water, uh, municipal water, and just because I know water quality is quality is, standpoint. Yeah, from a okay. qual- quality standpoint, yeah. um, and that I know that's that's a persistent issue that that's been a challenge, uh, or has it, been challenging. It, it at has time. been challenging. Yeah, yeah, for, for a long time. Yeah. You know, we we did pretty good with treatment and. Mm-hmm capacity and distribution but we were having some water quality problems yeah uh, talk were, a little bit about that okay. if you back would. in the you yeah. know started back in the 90s um and we had people that were working on it uh wiley did i mention wiley mm-hmm. stem uh, he was really a, a lead on trying to clean what was problem was was we had a tremendous amount of of nitrogen and phosphorus coming down the north bosky from up North Bossy goes up in Erath County. Mm-hmm. And in the late 80s, early 90s, that whole area had a boom of dairy farm. Uh, dairy farms have a tendency to kind of move around. <laughs> and um, and they really, the, the number of, of dairy cattle uh, just really spiked. And so typically, you know, they do a lot of things to try to take care of it, but there's always runoff when it rains it doesn't matter you know you spread the stuff and it just gets in in the receiving stream can assimilate a lot mm-hmm. of those nutrients mm-hmm. but at some point it just gets it gets more than the receiving the receiving steam can assimilate so it's traveling down pretty far when you think about it but by the time it gets to our lake they're all in there that heavy heavy load of nitrogen and phosphorus are there which is just a feeding ground for algae. And so we started getting these tremendous algae blooms. Um, then we pull the water, you know, in the raw water line off the lake to go to the treatment plant. We have a treatment plant down at Riverside, which mm-hmm. is University Park, mm-hmm. and we have one at Mount Carmel. 
uh, on Lake Shore. And unfortunately, now you kind of think about, well, okay, it's in there, you know, you're just going to treat it out. But we were getting this taste and odor problem. These little algae guys uh, were traumatized. <laughs> you know, when you pick them up and pump them down this pipe, by the time they get treatment plant, they die. And they give off this substance called geosmin. And that's the, that's the taste and odor. Okay. And unfortunately, once it gets there, very, very hard for a, a traditional treatment plant to get rid of it. Mm. In fact, we would actually have algae blooms at the treatment plant in the basins, which is even worse. Yeah. Um, so we wrestled with that. Uh, Wiley actually was kind of lead on that, working with TCEQ to try to institute stricter requirements, and we did. Uh, they they it took a long time, but they so these are stricter upstream, upstream requirements. Yeah, yeah, you know, try to stop the, the these nutrient load before it gets to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it became obvious, and and that was a big you know kind of like we're talking about water and streets back in the 80s. I mean, in 2000, it was taste of water mm-hmm. you know restaurants were not being able to serve it you know because customers didn't want to drink it and they had a bottle of water and all this kind of stuff and it was a big deal mm-hmm. um, so as much as we worked on the north bosky and we have made tremendous gains uh, really um, much better we still had that problem still loading and so we uh, had a uh, kind of a pre-treatment plant built right below the dam um, that uses a system of air flotation that before it goes to treatment, you float all that stuff up and skim it off. Mm. Uh, and by the time the when the water comes out, it comes in really bad looking. When time it leaves that point, it's looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do a little bit of treatment with it too, with some chlorination. So when it gets to the treatment plant, then it, there's a, the, the load is less and so the treatment plant at Mount Carmel and Riverside can do a better job of treating that water. And that was a $40 million fix, mm. so it wasn't cheap. Yeah. And it, politically, it was tough. We had a lot of opposition about putting that plant in that location. You know, you just you always want to shove it out somewhere. Yeah. But the nature of that beast was it, it had to be as close as possible so that we could grab that algae and pull it off before it died so we didn't have the geosmin problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, people around there, that, that's not their problem. I mean, I, you know, it, they went on there and, and we, boy, I mean, we had some really tough uh, city, you know, city hall type meetings or mm-hmm. whatever you call them um, with the public. And, and uh, I took uh, a tremendous amount of heat on that and just, some vicious attacks, uh, but we knew it was right. And luckily, a lot of times councils, you know, that's voters out there. Yeah, and, sure. But they hung tight. Mm. Uh, that that council that voted on that, we got that going. I, I, I'm really proud of them because mm-hmm. that's hard to do. Yeah. But they stuck up. Um, Virginia Dupuy was the mayor at the time, and, and she was very supportive, and they all knew it needed to be done. We convinced them that from an engineering standpoint, that was the place for it to be which kind of helped with my engineering background, you know, in that position, mm-hmm. you know, I could talk with, with some intelligence, <laughs> um, but it didn't need to go. And, you know, um, all the fears that were expressed 
didn't come true. That's that's the beauty of it. That's so to tell once me, we built it and open, I got no complaints. Yeah. So tell me what the fears were. What were the fears? Uh, light, you know, light uh, pollution. Yeah. Smell. Um, just uh, just ruining the looks. Yeah. Of that area, but we went to great pains in camouflaging that thing, and most of it's underground anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, traffic. Uh, sewage spills, just pretty much anything with a sewer treatment plant because they looked at it more as a sewer treatment plant mm-hmm. as a yeah as a water treatment plant. Yeah. And in and, and some sense, I mean, you know, we were scooping off some bad stuff. Otherwise, it looked pretty pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's works. It's a it's a it's a real low maintenance plant. We don't uh, we don't have to assign a lot of employees to it. And it's it's just been great. Um, you know, you do, I, within months after we instituted that, our taste and odor complaints went to zero. You know, I'd go to a restaurant and I'd ask for one, a, you know, glass of that good wake of water <laughs> and bring it out. And uh, so, about when did that go online? The new. I know I'm testing your memory. Uh, it was. It, it was it was early in my city manager career, so okay. it was probably two thousand four or five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it it was great. It was great. It, it it to me it was another one of those. It was a real victory for the city. Mm-hmm. It 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 seems like to address the issue. I mean, there's you don't have a lot of options, right? I mean, you you can't address the the pollution issue upstream. You can address the treatment. Was the expansion of the the lake one way to try to address that issue or no, was that separate? That was separate. That, okay. that was a quantity issue. Okay. Yeah. The, the lake, um, uh, and that's, that's again, some really for forward thinking city people. Um, I'm, you know, back in the seventies, I guess, or maybe even in the sixties, I'm not sure when we, they, we got agreement with the Corps of engineers, uh, to, to raise the lake seven feet and actually uh, set a price whenever we wanted to do it. Basically, that this is what would happen and we would pay for anything that needed to be moved or redone. Uh, had so, to buy that, so that agreement was already in place. That was in place. Wow. That was in Just place. waiting to be Just activated. Just waiting for us to need it. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, during that time, we started, you know, we had some droughts, mm-hmm. some fairly significant that really dropped the lake levels everywhere. Now, people really, really scrambling water and um, we got that in and we're able to raise the lake um, you know kind of ahead of some of those droughts and we never really had a we didn't have to you, know, you didn't see a bunch of conservation measures going in and us telling we're water rationing all kind of stuff because we had to, we had the water and 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 a good source for you know 50 years I mm-hmm. mean it just it, it was wonderful mm-hmm. it was one we had to buy a lot of, of uh, did a lot of habitat mitigation um, where it went up and um, so it was it was a tough project Wiley uh, stem was was a lead on that mm-hmm. did a great job mm-hmm. yeah and it added you said it went seven feet up so seven, you, you remember how much capacity it added about 20,000 acre feet okay wow. and I tell you if you if you had to go out and buy that in that day and time mm-hmm. that was a hundred million dollar be a hundred I mean it cost us 30 million 
which sounds like a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a lot of money. Yeah. But for what we bought, I mean, it was it was uh, it saved us a hundred to hundred fifty million dollars wow. trying to trying to get that either buy it from somebody or at one time we were actually thinking about building another lake upstream, and it's just it's so expensive and it's so hard to do. I mean, it, with the with the environmental issues and the concerns, you know, you just don't see lakes being built. Yeah, it's just it's just too hard and too expensive. Yeah, so we were very fortunate that we were able to you know, raise the lake and not have to do any structural changes to the dam. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the, uh, you talked about the kind of the stipulations for raising the re- the lake level were already in place. What, what were the factors that led to them go ahead and pushing to, to do the project? Just looking at the availability of water. Okay. We, we were doing a lot of forecasting um, with the potential growth and, um, Knowing that it's you know people are people are coming to Texas, mm-hmm. they like, and that's 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 the limiting factor for cities, people coming in, either just individuals or businesses is water, mm-hmm. and so by doing that, I think the the city positioned itself real well for for future development. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I, you mentioned in your oral history when drought hit. I think it in you know 2010 it was around kind of a about 10 years ago we had well we, I mean we had an ex- real extended Tension. drought you know that, that lasted for to recent memory um, a matter that seemed real for had a lot of foresight then <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like you predicted the future y'all predicted the future a bit sometimes you're just lucky. <laughs> um, Okay, well, uh, you know, you're assistant city manager, and then the opportunity opens up uh, for you to, uh, to become the man. Uh, and so th- talk, talk a little bit about kind of that decision and, and that opportunity, how it presented itself. Well, I had worked under four city managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was hired, David Smith was a city manager, and he was long-term. He was like 17 years. That's the longest city manager ever yeah. in the city. Yeah. Uh, ten years of city managers are three to five years. Mm-hmm. You know, by then the councils start changing. You lose favor for some reason. You do a few things, make people mad, and you know, they just uh, you get um, um, just get where you're not in, in favor. Mm-hmm. So uh, after David, we had three city managers. All of them were averaged at four to five years, and uh, it was about that time for. Uh, Kathy Rice, who was the city manager, and and she resigned, um, and then they uh, they appointed me as an interim, like in January of 2003, I believe, um, and then made it permanent in April of that year. And it just uh, <laughs> asked me how the decision making on that. Yeah, I just I was at a point in my career that. Um, I just didn't want to work for another city manager that was coming from some place that we didn't didn't know about and have to get used. I just thought, yeah, because you I, knew you knew it would have been an outside person. Yeah, yeah. it would have been. Yeah. And I just uh, I decided that maybe I just give it a shot, and I had great support. I mean, it uh, you know the uh, I worked for the city for thirty four years, and and by then you know I was a city manager for eleven, so I'd I'd worked for a long time and. 
and really developed a lot of relationships in the community. Uh, in some cases, you know, they thought they raised me up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you have that kind of support of people, they want to see you succeed. And, and I felt like that would be the case. And, you know, I could call on a lot of different people if I needed some help. I'd worked with the council a lot. I knew all of them. Uh, they were, you know, not only good council members, but they were friends. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew we could work together. I had a good staff, uh, some really good assistants, uh, great department heads that uh, knew what they were supposed to do and did it. And um, I just had, I had full confidence that we would be successful. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's a lot of projects you're going to be involved in over the next uh, 11, years Eleven years while you're in that position, which, as you point out, that's a long, uh, that's long, that's a long shelf life for for a city manager. It is. Yeah, I, I don't know if you had an idea going into it how no. long. No, <laughs> in fact, my poor wife, we we knew it just you know city manager, it's it's a it's a twenty four seven. I mm-hmm. mean, you're just going to get calls, you know, when you're Friday night with our date night, and you know somebody's always either. If we were out somewhere to see you and want to come talk to you about city business or call and you know it, it's uh, it's one thing for me but spouses put up with a lot um, they're they don't see you a lot at times and uh, so I promised them that look the previous three lasted four it, it's gonna be four years so don't yeah. worry about it it's not, yeah. gonna, it's not gonna be that long and you know it just kept kind of going and going and it turned out that, that I, I became the second longest tenured city manager after after David but a lot of that was, I just think, was my my being born here, yeah, growing up here, yeah, the relationships and and people were just uh, extremely supportive, and and I didn't get a lot of of uh, you know criticism, backbiting kind of stuff. Counselors were very supportive. Mm-hmm. Now, just some people listening that may not kind of understand Waco's structure as far as its municipal structure. Uh, talk a little bit about that, kind of where you know the city manager role fits okay. in the kind of governance. Well, we have what's called a city manager form of government, mm-hmm. which means the council and mayor. Um, we have five council members and, and a mayor. They all the mayor's you know leads everything, but when it gets down to voting, he has one vote like everybody else. He sets the agendas, uh, but the councils you know work in that too. Um, but they set policy. Uh, they, they're not involved in day-to-day operations. That's what city manager does. So city manager is kind of like a CEO, and they're, they're his board. Um, they, set the, they set the goals. They set the priorities. Uh, they set the budgets. Um, and then the city manager is expected to you know, take care of it. Now, they have four, uh, four people work for the council, the city manager, the city attorney, city secretary, and um, I'm losing somebody. That's awful. They're gonna. They're gonna. Let's see. Yeah, city manager, city attorney, city secretary, and municipal judge. There you go. Yeah, we don't work a lot with you, municipal judge. That's kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The others I work with a lot. Yeah. Anyway, um, and so they can they hire and fire us those four, and mm-hmm. they can direct us. You know, as a council, a single council member can't. Um, mayor really can't. I mean, it's anything, any direction that's given to the city manager needs to come through a council meeting. And so then I take the 
1,500 people that work for the city, and, you know, through my assistants and through the directors, we do what's necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 as assistant city uh, manager, how many people were working under you then? You know, I don't know, probably yeah. uh, 150 maybe. Okay, okay, yeah, so uh, exponentially increased. Mm. <laughs> with this and uh you know but but you had had some experience managing people i mean you you'd had kind of this this history going back of of being able to manage people and you and as you pointed out uh, you had kind of pre-existing relationships that you could draw on and right and and uh in doing this management um, as you came on uh, as city manager again you don't have to get up to speed on what waco needs but what were some things that you felt were priorities? Uh, we've already talked about some of them, some water quality. Water but, quality. But what were um, some other ones? Uh, development downtown. That was that was real big. Okay. Now and, and economic and economic development in general. Okay. That was I, I probably spent more time on that than than downtown development. Okay. Well, let let let's start on downtown to begin with, just because. I want to put us on a bit of a continuum here with downtown because we talked about, uh, you know, the travails of the 70s and, and, and 80s. In the 90s, you know, some opportunities start to present themselves downtown. And so so how does that narrative kind of start with downtown revitalization? What were some it, things you think about? It's slow. Yeah. I mean, it's just slow. It, you just, you have to, you have to, you have to get some small victories. Uh, you also have to have what I call pioneers. You know, people that that see that there is an opportunity, but they also know there's a high percentage of failure. Mm-hmm. But they're willing to invest. That's the that's the key. You got, you know, the city, city government, county government. There's just so much we can do. You know, we can we can try to facilitate, uh, do the public infrastructure that's necessary, but at some point it it it's private investment. And like you said, you started seeing some things in the 90s and early 2000s, and we started seeing some, some slow growth and, and some, that area across from City Hall, um, whatever that's called, I can't remember. But you, the old you know, cotton warehouses yeah, that are, that are across, across from City there, Hall. They started developing restaurants and, and different things. And, and that happens in the late 90s, I think, doesn't late it? Late 90s. Yeah. Um, yeah, late 90s or mm-hmm. early 2000. And so you start seeing that. Actually, started seeing a few businesses on Austin mm-hmm. taking off. Um, we had some city land uh, both uh, across Washington and um, across uh, 3rd Street that was available. And we put it out, and we got some apartments built down there that pretty well are occupied by students. Mm-hmm. And you know, and Baylor students majority, and you get students that have uh, in, uh, some uh, disposable money, income. disposable income. They have my money and your yeah, money. Yeah, that's right. Has disposable income, <laughs> and so well, people start seeing that, and all of a sudden you you get a few more retail things, and it just it's just kind of a snowball. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that was important with with downtown, I, I may be skipping a little bit, was just we had a lot of of other city needs and I mean, I'm not if you want me to talk about it now or we want to keep on, on downtown 
Okay. Well, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the downtown, I think, kind of tied in to some other things we were trying to do, and that was we had a huge backlog of capital needs, um, park system, police, Ranger Hall of Fame, convention center, libraries. Those, those are primary. Mm-hmm. And uh, we worked real hard with the community to get a bond issue passed. And uh, we did that in 2007, I think. And for me, it was like that. Uh, uh, I love movies. Um, the Apollo 13 movie where. Uh, the guy says failure is not an option. <laughs> I use that. Oh, I said, failure is not an option. We, we cannot fail. We hadn't, the city hadn't passed a bond issue in 40 years. And, uh, I mean, you just can't have a failure. And so we worked real hard with the community and narrowed down the projects and, and um, got it passed, passed every issue, and then had some really great results. Part of that downtown was the reason I kind of tied in was the convention center. Mm-hmm. It had gotten to be an eyesore. Yeah. And we were having a hard time bringing people in. And vibrant downtown needs a good convention center. And, and I think we did a great job uh, with the money we had to really dress that up and, mm-hmm. and do some things. And so that was important. Made some improvements at the Ranger Museum. Uh, actually touched every library system, every library building. Uh, found some space for the uh, police mm-hmm. uh, able to buy that old tower when Hillcrest moon we got a really good deal on that yeah so we saved a lot of money money there um, and then the park uh, as far as I'm concerned Cameron Park is part of our downtown mm-hmm. and uh, it it needed a lot of help yeah uh, we were able to spend about 12 million dollars I think of the bond issue bond issue was around 63 million in my memory um, and so we carved out some for the Cameron Park and also neighborhood of parks around. And I think the improvements we made at Cameron Park, then again, with another downtown amenity, that when people come to do things, you know, they're looking for those kind of amenities. And that really helped us. And that, I think it's just another little factor of people investing money, of seeing that, those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this was investment around the centennial of the park. Yes. Yeah, that was 2011, I think, was the 100-year anniversary yeah. of William Cameron Park. William Cameron Park. And, and what sort of projects did y'all do? I, I know there's a lot done in the park, but what were some things that— Well, we, we did several things in the bottoms. That's, a, that's an area that people really enjoy. Um, we fixed up Redwood Shelter. We did a lot of work on the, on the points um, uh, that— Unfortunately, we had some people that don't don't use their mind sometimes as they should, and you know, trying to do things that are kind of crazy and got hurt. And we had to do something uh, to try to keep that. You know, you want you want people to enjoy. You don't want to look like a you know a barricade. But so we did some some built some walls with rails and stuff, um, handrail kind of walls, and some lookout points and. Did some pretty neat things and made some real good improvements up what I call the north north end, uh, the entry from the north side. Mm-hmm. It was an old ball. Was that park. park added then? The north side park or gateway? Yes, that, that was added yeah, with that those was improvements. Added then. Yeah. yeah, so uh, we we stretched the money pretty good and mm-hmm. and I think people have enjoyed it. Well, I think your solution for the uh, 
uh, idiots falling off, <laughs> lovers leap. You can't say that, but I can. Uh, from folks uh, falling off, lovers leap was a creative solution because you you still preserve the view. Uh, Beautiful view by building up that berm where you can get an elevated view, mm-hmm. kind of of the river, or you can go down. Yeah. Uh, and, and be by the fence if yeah, you want to. Pretty neat. I thought it was a creative solution. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I think we've seen uh, kind of visitorship of the park. That's something you'd be more familiar. I can just speak anecdotally about that, but it seems like the use of the park has increased. It has uh, over that time I would, period. I would I would make a point of you know sometime during the day when I'm out if I needed to go to that. I that's the way I go. Mm-hmm. Go through the park and I look and and then just from a from a personal standpoint, uh, several times uh, I've taken family. They go up there and picnic, you know, on a kind of a holiday kind of thing. Can't find a spot. I mean, you I've driven every one, and sometimes they're it's just full, and that's so gratifying mm-hmm. to go from almost no use to the kind of use it's getting now. Yeah, and and uh, people walk those trails. Unbelievable amount of people walk the trails. Mm-hmm. I took my grandsons down. We walked one day, and man, it's just a path and people coming and going. The mountain bikers, it's, it's apparently an extremely high rated mountain bike area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a really mountain bike rider, but familiar with what, what they do. And frisbee golf. And it's just, it's just I tell you, we our, our parks people are real creative. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, they, if they see an opportunity for to reach out and get people out, in the environment and enjoying it, getting some exercise, and they come up with it and they do good. Yeah, and yeah, you had long enough memory with it to know the time where families kind of abandoned uh, Cameron Park. It just didn't have that sort of usership. Yep, they did. So it's really kind of sad. Yeah, but now you're seeing, you know, that turning around, mm-hmm. uh, the river turned around. Downtown now is just unbelievable. I mean, I, I drive through on Austin Avenue, and it's just remarkable what's going on. And now that expansion of downtown towards Baylor, mm-hmm. it's just all those old buildings are just, they're filling in. People are finding uses and just jumping on things to do. Uh, Chip and Joanna, mm-hmm. I mean, we can't thank them enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really, uh, they, they've done a great job with the properties they have, even a greater job with uh, bringing recognition to the city through their program. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, uh, they came in to see me about two years before the program started. And th- they wanted to tell me that they were gonna do this program and they were gonna make Waco look good. And they were telling me about what it was and HGTV and I sat there and I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. I was, you know, I was, I, I had worked with them in the past on some of the little development issues they had, and so they felt comfortable. Anyway, tell me all this stuff. And I was just saying, that sounds great. And I didn't know. I had no idea. And I'll be darned, you know, five years later, um, you know, their success was phenomenal. And they did everything they said they were going to do. That every every episode, you know, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be, putting down Waco on anything. It was always showing the best of mm-hmm. Waco. And they did that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it changed. Uh, it changed for me when I was traveling. People find out I was from Waco. We quit talking about um, Mount Carmel. Mm-hmm. And we talked about 
fixer upper or whatever their yeah. name is. Yeah. And uh, they did a, they did a great job. Anyway, that that whole area, I think, because of their influence, it's just gone. Yeah. And then the second thing, I believe, that really has helped that whole river area in downtown, McLean Stadium. Unbelievable. Um, what's going on there, and and the and the things that are developing around it, and used to people wouldn't even think about developing on the east side mm-hmm. and now it's you're just seeing you know right across uh from city hall that those things that are going up unbelievable yeah unbelievable. and then even in east swaco across the bridge now the development you see yeah. along bridge street yeah. uh, which it's is just great amazing. it's great uh well i want to back up because uh of course with uh you talking about the Gaineses, i remember it was probably 10 years ago. I was driving through that area and I saw a sign that said silo district. And I was like, <laughs> what is this? All of a sudden I'm in the silo. <laughs> also in the silo. But so, you know, you talk about how change is slow, but then things start really picking up and moving quickly. It does. It, the pace really changes. But I want to go back and ask you, you mentioned kind of some small victories that happened along the way in downtown revitalization and maybe some, other projects that you think were important uh, you you talked about the the cotton warehouses those developments along there are there some others that you can think about that were kind of important well in getting the, that started obviously we already talked about opening up austin yeah that was i think that was a real big thing um indian springs park was good those um heritage square apartments on on washington the, the bond projects that we talked about mm-hmm. um let me think. I guess well, and we uh, we we helped uh, revitalize the Hilton. The city actually put some money in it to kind of it would it, it had gotten kind of an eyesore, but not too bad. But just you know, it just didn't look good. And, it needed to be and, updated. And so the update on that was was really nice too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we mentioned, I mentioned I was doing interviews with Cullen Smith, the Freedom Fountain relocation there yes. uh, by uh, the city hall or by the convention center, mm-hmm. uh, where to put that. Uh, I think of all the developments that happened along the river there in just a 20 year period, how much went in. Uh, of course, we've got our new memorial, Doris Miller across yes. the way. We've got the Vietnam, Vietnam. Veterans Memorial mm-hmm. on this side. and all the things that happen along the river those yeah. uh, those sculptures mm-hmm. they're pretty i mean there's there's just all those little things add up where it just improves the visitor experience so much i mean it's great for the citizens that mm-hmm. live here but when you have somebody coming in and they can do a lots of different things you know with the ranger with the sports hall of fame with the dr pepper museum and then you walk along there river walk you you see those things that you mentioned mm-hmm. it's it just uh just gives people a feeling that they want to come back. Mm-hmm. They want to go tell their neighbors, and that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, I know you're involved, I think, in your first career with the city and helping do that initial Riverwalk project Yes, down by the river. Uh, it's just kind of interesting that as city manager, you're kind of back at the river, <laughs> you, you, you know, thinking about how to develop that with new walkway projects and new developments down by the river uh, the, the change of Baylor kind of finally crossing I-35 
you know, I, I think historically I-35, since it was constructed, was a little bit of a baler, uh, barrier. Bar- oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But that's gone now. Yeah, it's gone. And, and uh, you know, the the investment they made on that old bank, I can't what it was, guaranteed. But anyway, that was great. Um, a lot of people there. And then the... Uh, Washington Avenue. Washington the, Avenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the School of Social Work. Social Work, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, is is pretty good. It's just bringing bringing people in, and mm-hmm. that that's what helps. Mm-hmm. Um, these uh, so there's downtown revitalization. You mentioned the other projects that kind of come in with the bond issue. What was the vote on that bond issue? Do you remember? You know, it was overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, we had five issues, and all of them uh, passed. Um, seventy seventy percent plus, except the Ranger Museum. It was uh, it was close. Uh, at, my analysis of it was when I talked to different people, was they don't know why the city was putting money in there. It's not ours. Mm-hmm. It, they didn't think it was fun. so. We didn't do a good job of of getting that message out mm-hmm. uh, in, in a lot of people's views. And so, but it still passed. So that was great. So explain that. That's a big win. I mean, that's really a big win in two thousand seven to. So what do you credit that win to with getting those bond issues passed? Uh, failure is not an option. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you, you got to have more of a strategy. Than that. <laughs> yeah. um, we, I think we did a great job uh, involving the community. We had like um, 10 different committees of citizens from all across the community with 10 members no, 15 members on each committee and kind of presented a, we had like a three to four million, three hundred to four hundred million dollar list and asked them to take this and pare it down to projects that they felt would be reasonable and have a good probability of passing. Mm-hmm. And they worked hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, we gave them all the information, we worked with them, but that those committees and the chairs really worked hard. Um, and unbelievably, they all came to pretty much the same conclusion. I mean, it was just, it was really, to me, it was uh, kind of affirming mm-hmm. that those five that issues that we had was what we needed to do. And they came to that conclusion. Now, and you take those people, that uh, 150 people, they all had friends. They all have influence. They talked about what they were doing, got that out. And so that was, to me, that was the first, that was the groundwork. Mm-hmm. And then two guys that I credit heavily, um, Bill Clifton and Bill Nesbitt, uh, both long-term Waco people mm-hmm. invested in the community. They went with me, and we went to anybody that would let us come talk. You know, every civic group. I mean, I, I I should have a count somewhere, but man, we we made we made the circuit, and I would present the the, the projects, give all the information. I couldn't promote; I, you just can't do that mm-hmm. against the law. Uh, but I would tell them everything, answer any any technical questions, and then the bills would promote. And they spent they they invested a lot of time with me, mm-hmm. um, and I think again we probably. I say conservatively touched another five to seven hundred, five hundred, seven hundred people easy, mm-hmm. maybe more. Yeah, and they have contacts, you know, 
And, and what's good is you're going to those people. They're in those those community groups because they're vested in the community, and they want to see the community do good. And so they're all of a sudden you got these ambassadors that are out. And I think that's my mind as I look back on it. That's that's why we were successful. Mm-hmm. Did the priorities that the committees come up with would did they match what you were thinking as far? Pretty as, much. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to seen some drainage work <laughs> because we've got some huge drainage issues. Uh, some of it comes right down through Baylor. But, uh, you know, it's hard to sell drainage. <laughs> it's not quite like a park, you know. You know, even, even as you said it, Larry, I yawned. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, I was worried about police. I mean, because, you know, sometimes people think, oh, that's just a, that's a government you know, they just need to do that. You mm-hmm. know, like 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 we got some money that comes from somewhere. You know, I mean, everything is taxpayer. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just the citizens through property taxes, through sales taxes, through fees. I mean, it's our money, and mm-hmm. so that was always important to me that that we spend every dollar right. You know, when you when you mentioned drainage issues, I thought of Barron's Branch. Barron's Branch. Yeah. So, <laughs> so which. You know, if, if you're new to Waco, you don't know what I'm know, know what I'm talking about. But that little drainage area uh, on the way toward Cameron Park, kind of across from the Fourth and Fifth Street. Yeah, yeah, between uh-huh. Fourth and Fifth Street, that was a real problem for you, right? It was. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was. Do you mind yeah. talking about that? Maybe it's just for me, but do you no, mind talking it, about it, that a little bit? Uh, you talking about the, where we had to replace the yeah the it was pipe arch. Well, and if you look at historical maps of Waco, there's a creek there. Yeah, it's a creek yeah. there, yeah. and and it's basically covered up. They put a pipe arch in. I mean, it's big, like 17 foot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a huge thing. We drive vehicles down in it. And it went out to the river uh, from, I guess, 4th Street. Um, it was metal, galvanized metal over time. Mm-hmm. That started having problems. And uh, we started seeing it, and we started seeing some problems with it. And so, you know, I was trying to come up with some fixes. Um, but the only fix, really, to replace it. So mm-hmm. we ended up. You know, yeah. replacing that and now it's in good shape yeah so it'll yeah, it looks last, great now so it's, it's concrete so it's yeah. it'll last for a long time well it it reminds me in smaller scale of the drainage we have here on campus of waco creek waco creek yeah so it i mean waco creek uh, you know unfortunately people love to build by creeks i mean people love water they, they really do and and so you just build as close as you can well as that development kept occurring you just get more, less, more impervial surface, impermeable surface, so the water can't be absorbed, and it's just rushing faster. And so these drainage peaks get up, and then all of a sudden you, you start flooding houses. And um, we have that. And so there's still, there's still a lot to be done. But, you know, for me, I had two things. <laughs> I told you, failure's not an option. Second is, we have to do all these projects. They have to be great. People have to see it, and they have to be proud that they were part of it mm-hmm. and paying their taxes, such that five years, ten years, whenever the time's right, you go back. Yeah, because there's always needs, and if you can go back and and promote some projects and remind people what we did before, and they weren't they weren't bad, <laughs> you know, yeah, well. where they weren't failures, then it's a whole lot easier uh, because the confidence has been developed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the case. I mean, you think about all those projects; they're pretty mm-hmm. high-profile, mm-hmm. successful projects. So, um, 
the the other thing that you're involved in that I wanted to ask about was a mammoth site. Okay, uh, we're leaving downtown there, but I know that there's a lot going on with the mammoth site. Whereas a lot didn't happen for a long time. There's there's a lot happening during this period with the mammoth site. And can you talk about kind of the city's engagement with that? Sure. Um, we didn't engage too much. Uh, Baylor really was taking the lead on that. What you know, once the, those two guys saw the bones and came down here and got Calvin Smith involved and and Baylor went out and started excavating and had volunteers and it really didn't want people to know too much about it because it wasn't really secure mm-hmm. and uh, but they took out a, a lot of bones uh, of course mapped them all and everything's recorded and they're stored yeah uh, in Baylor facilities um, Mabry Museum and and then um, Sam Jack McGlasson gave the the five acres where the he, he owned it mm-hmm. he, he, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure when he acquired it but he gave it to the city with the stipulation that we would continue working with Baylor so he actually was the one that tied the city and Baylor together okay and so now that we owned it um, we started engaging a little bit more and I got to be good friends with Calvin mm-hmm. and uh, we got some tents put up and you know he he was a scrounger I mean he found ways to get things done and got contractors to give him back hose about you know what I'm anyway but just slowly working it but it still need to be protected and so I started getting involved I, was, I guess when I was assistant city manager um, but well no actually actually I got involved when I was at the zoo Mm. because we saw a natural tie mm-hmm. you know I had this grandiose vision that we would develop this mammoth site and then we would acquire and we we did we acquired 100 acres around it and we would put that would where we'd put our elephants so in a larger area okay and then people could see and draw comparisons between the elephants and the mammoths more of a wildlife park sort yeah. of yeah, yeah. Well, that, that grandiose thing never came out of me. But anyway, that was kind of my idea. I thought that'd be great. So anyway, I was kind of working uh, from the zoo standpoint, and then I continued working as assistant city manager, just trying to help the help the site stay secure. And um, and then luckily, at that, that time, you know, we started thinking about talking to national parks and see what we could do to get that, because I just... I just knew that if we could get that designated as a national park, not only would they come in with great stuff, you know, get the airhead out there and and be on their list, and mm-hmm. it would just be another wonderful tourist attraction. And that took a long time, but you know, we finally got there, as you know. But anyway, uh, you know, again, a group of interested citizens got together, formed a committee. We formed a Mammoth Foundation. And had people working, we started raising money and built that first structure mm-hmm. um, with some infrastructure that we needed. So again, you spend a lot on infrastructure, but it got master plans on what can you know what can be done. So it's all laid out, um, and it'll, it'll slowly get there. And, and we 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 had the foresight to uh, get the national parks involved early on. So as we designed it, the people that were designing it for us. We did it to national park standards. Mm. So if it ever became, then there wasn't a whole lot of correction to be made. Yeah. 
and we, we got the national parks staff people pretty excited they they really thought it was pretty neat and uh so we made lots of efforts you know to get it to uh, get it as a as a park which is really hard to do mm-hmm. so we finally went after the monument which is a little bit easier mm-hmm. i made uh, four or five trips to dc which i hate to go to dc it just uh, anyway uh you know talking to different committees about the project trying to get it funded mm-hmm. and we got some we did get some money for the resource study that was kind of the first step uh, chet edwards helped us get that and um yeah, I, I talked myself a lot to those guys and didn't really get anywhere. But uh, after I left, um, it was finally designated, you know, through the Antiquities Act, I believe, as a monument. Mm-hmm. And so we got all that designation. Uh, I don't. We're not getting a whole lot of money from them, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I think they have some staff out there. I think they have a paleontologist out there now. So it's coming along. Mm-hmm. But uh, getting that designation was just huge. Yeah, uh, really huge. And and I think uh, uh, the, there's a lot of people that worked real hard. You know, those kind of things just don't happen overnight. No. One person doesn't do it. It's it's a it's a as typical everything is a team effort. If you're gonna get anything done, you just got to get a bunch of people lined up heading the same direction. Well, that's that's a theme in your career. Uh, <laughs> you know. You, I mean, you, you just as we keep coming back to about mobilizing citizens that are invested and interested and, yeah. and, and things can get done, and sometimes it takes a while. Um, I think of that mammoth site, you know, where Texas is kind of national park poor. So, I mean, it, it we... <laughs> in, in some ways. Yeah. Well, really, yeah. Uh, yeah. even, you know, uh, uh, Texas and some of the southeast mm-hmm. is poor. I, yeah. My wife and I have, a, we, 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 we go to... National parks. We just love to go to national parks. Every mm-hmm. chance we get, uh, if we're going to go somewhere, we're going to see what they are. And our goal is to hit every one. Mm-hmm. And when you when you get them plotted, you know we've gotten all the the easy ones. You know, yeah. we we went to California a few years ago, and there's a lot on the west coast all the way up, and we hit a lot of those. And you know, Utah, you know, is is just wonderful. You know, it's mm-hmm. just got park after park. But then you get in our area and. And through the southeast, there's just not a lot. And then Alaska's got a lot, so that's going to be a good trip one of these days. Um, so it, it was nice to get another designation in Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This period where you're city manager, you know, you can think of what other city managers face in their position. Uh, but I, you know, we, we talked about the challenges of Waco, particularly downtown economically. But but one thing you had that a lot of other city managers may not have had as much of was capacity. Yes. You know, and I think we're still experiencing that in in many respects, this capacity for either adaptive reuse or new construction and new development or just capacity to to develop. Yeah. You know, as horrible as that tornado was in 53, it cleaned out a lot of areas, Mm -hmm. you know, that just had to be destroyed. And, And they sat there for a long time, but as you said, they're available. So you got the land, we have water, uh, we have a great community. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a, it's getting to be a, a much easier sale than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I experience it anecdotally. You must experience it all the time of people just, the way people talk about 
Waco as a place, you know, as far as a destination right. place. Or, it's gratifying. Yeah, it's got to be. And and I'm hoping you you stand up a little straighter. <laughs> and uh, well. to, to, A little bit of that's yours, Larry. I think you need to take credit for that. Well, yeah. as I said, it's just a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times uh, everything just has to be aligned. Timing has to be right. And, mm-hmm. and uh, some people willing to take some risk. Well, uh, how'd you last that long? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, one of the things that I learned pretty quick is is uh, power of listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> you're working for six people, um, sometimes with a variety of opinions about things done, and somehow you have to just to listen and get a group consensus. Um, and then... Once you get it, you know, just go get it done. Um, and that was kind of, kind of my my route. But we talked early on. I still, I still think a lot of my success was just due to long term relationship building. Uh, people that felt comfortable with you, um, had confidence in you, and and would support you. And I, I just always felt like I had tremendous support in the community even in some of the tough things you know when you're mm-hmm. doing landfills or yeah. or that treatment plant i mean it, it that gets kind of tough but <clears throat> all in all the majority knows it's the right thing to do and uh, we were going to get it done mm-hmm. well i think about those relationships <coughs> when i think about your retirement gift <laughs> and uh, R- randy would want me to ask about your retirement gift so w- what did you get as a retirement gift well I tell people I got a lot of loot. I mean, I, I I couldn't believe it. I mean, the the it was it was overwhelming uh, the way people turned out and brought gifts and and thoughts, you know, just reminding me of things. You know, that for me it you know it's funny how you, when you're doing things you do things and you don't really think about it too much, but the person that being affected it it means a lot to them. And so one of the best things I got was just a lot of cards just saying, mm-hmm. do you remember when you did such and such? You know, that really changed. And it, so that was gratifying. Mm-hmm. But, and then just lots of, lots of presents. But uh, the one that Randy talked about is uh, they, they decorated uh, the event in a Harley theme. At the time, uh, um, Deaver was on the council, mm-hmm. and he and his brother, John, owned the Harley dealership. And so it was pretty easy for, you know, they, hey. So they, they brought out and had about, I don't know, five or six Harleys up along the podium area, you know, just sitting there and people by looking at them. And, and uh, uh, so I thought, hey, this is neat. And I'm sitting there, and, and uh, Jim Hawkins gets up and starts talking about it and says, Larry, why don't you go pick out one of these bikes? Here's you some keys. Go pick out the one you want. And they knew which one I'd pick. I mean, Kyle knew for sure. Uh, and he said, let's see if it crank up. So I took those keys and cranked up myself. And I'm sitting there, they're giving this to me? And at the time, I didn't know who was giving it to me. But I, I just, I couldn't, I mean, I asked it. The next morning, I still couldn't believe it. Um, so I, you know, I knew Jim Hawkins had kind of helped in, along with Kyle and several other people. So I, I said, I want to know. I, I got to know who all contributed to this. <laughs> so they got me the list and it was, you know, 20 plus business guys that, you know, I had developed relationships with for many years and they just decided to get together and 
give that to me and boy I, I was proud of it and and I just I still think about it and just think about how how nice that was I mean for those guys to do something like that that they didn't have to mm-hmm. you know that they wanted to do it, it was, well are hardly people are going to wonder what it was so you have to tell oh, them oh it's a, it's a top of the line ultra classic um big big street touring bike um pretty neat bike mm-hmm. in fact I took it on a trip uh, I'd always had in my mind when I retired there was a trip I wanted to do and that was to go around the United States and so uh, as soon as I got through with my house I took off in late July early August and and uh, by myself and I just rode I went to to Florida up to Maine over to Washington State down to California and, and back to Texas went through 34 states it was didn't stop I mean, I just rode, stopped for eating, you know, stopped for gas, and uh, just rode, did about, just about four miles less than 8,000 miles on that bike. Um, did it in 11 days, so I was hauling. I was about, I'd average over 700 miles a day, so. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So what was that like? Oh, it was great. I mean, it just, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how to describe this sometimes to people, but it did two things for me. It gave me a much greater nationalistic pride. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, every state. I mean, I, we've traveled a lot, but I hadn't done it that, you know, all at once, kind of. And every state has some beautiful things to offer. Just natural beauty. And then seeing the investment, the development all around just made me feel proud and and. God, you know that no matter what the challenge was, we can take it on. Mm-hmm. The second thing it did, and probably more importantly, was a spiritual revival. I just I felt renewed. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing God's handiwork mm-hmm. is just unbelievable. That's why I like national parks. I think because it's just you just see that and you just see it mile after mile after mile, unbelievable. And all the people that I engaged along the way. Were just great. Mm-hmm. Every every state. So yeah, that's interesting. Neat. You can enjoy the built environment because I mean you obviously <laughs> built a career thinking about the built environment, yeah. but enjoying the natural environment yeah. too. That's amazing. Pretty neat. Yeah, bike was wonderful. I mean, it was just comfortable. I feel more comfortable on it than I do in a car. <laughs> you know? It's pretty good. Uh, how were the elements? Well, started out pretty good I, I was picking a, I tried to pick a time when I didn't I, you don't want to ride in the rain too much I, I really was pretty lucky I only got rained on maybe twice um, the temperature was a little warm in the south it got really great as I got up north um, and then <laughs> I got over into Oregon and uh, was in the mountains and stopped at a little place that was just unbelievable it's a story in itself but no air condition. It was a, just a, like a little lodge, and uh, you know, actually gave you keys, and you know, it was old, pretty old, and no air conditioning. You know, you just opened the windows, and when when I got there, it was, it was warm enough to open the windows. Well, I woke up, it's 42 degrees, and I didn't have a lot of heavy. I mean, I, when I took off, I was cold. I had my rain suit on, and every piece of clothes I had I was <laughs> on, and I was still cold. It wasn't until you know, 10, 30, or 11 when the sun really got up that I started warming up. So that was kind of my, from an element standpoint, that was kind of the low. And then coming back, man, I came back down and coming through West Texas, it was 106 degrees. 
it was boiling. <laughs> so I had a, quite a range of temperatures. So I was I was glad to get back home by the time I got there. Did you plan out your stops, or you just stopped when you got tired? I stopped. Yeah, just okay. just when I I stopped trying to find some place to stop. And sometimes mm-hmm. it was a little longer than others, and when I got tired, mm-hmm. you know, stopped to eat when I was hungry. Yeah, stopped to oh. fill up gas. So. Yeah. Well, that's a, what an amazing trip. It's a good trip. Yeah, good that's trip. great. That's great. Well, I, I, I want to make sure we didn't miss anything. Were there some things that I should have asked you about that I didn't ask you about? No. We I, covered a lot of ground. I think we covered it pretty good and went back a couple of times and, you know, because it kind of mingles in there. But, no, it was it was good. It was a, it was a great career for me. Um, I never, you know, uh, for me, I, I never dreamed of the opportunities that, that uh, that I had uh, all through the work for the city, a city engineer and a zoo and a city manager, just pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. So can, I treasure all of them. Can you turn it off? I mean, I mean, you, we talked about before we were recording all your projects you yeah. have going now. So you're still managing a lot of projects. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep pretty busy. Yeah, um, I know some people have trouble retiring. Um, I didn't. I mean, it was really, I mean, the, the first day I woke up uh, not having a phone ringing all the time and emails and texts was kind of nice. I enjoyed that. Um, uh, the thing that I missed the most is the interaction with people. Mm-hmm. Not only that, you know, you know, you work with people. I worked with some people for 30 years, you know, and you're really with them more than you're with your folks at home. Yeah. When you think about it, yeah. you're, you're in more concentrated hours, awaking hours. And so you just have a lot of great friends that you you know you try to keep those alive, but it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the that's the biggest thing. The the work, I I haven't missed at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like I like seeing Waco continue to thrive, and I, I enjoyed reading about the again the successes and you know reading about some of the tough things. It's you know well I'm not having to do that, <laughs> but uh, it's it's good. It's good. We just have people. I don't. All through my career, I, th- I think people have appreciated, and I think they used to appreciate it more uh, when I first started. Uh, now people have they're a little more demanding, uh, but we really have been fortunate having great people work for the city, mm-hmm. talented, uh, technologically sound, mm-hmm. um, and just do good jobs. I mean, it just they just did a good job. Mm-hmm. And so I'm proud of that, and I'm mm-hmm. proud they're doing that. But um, I think sometimes people don't realize that, but they're, they're great, great folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for your service to the city of Waco. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's a, we, we, uh, I know I benefit from it daily, and a lot of people do, but they, <laughs> but they don't realize that they do. Yeah, I'm going to go have a glass of water right after this. Yeah, tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've gotten kind of dry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Larry. Okay, thank you. Cross. Thanks for listening to the Waco History Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes so we can reach more listeners. You can find show notes and info on every episode at wacohistorypodcast.com and more info on Waco's past at wacohistory.org. Our theme music, used with permission, is Cross the Brazos at Waco, performed by the late Billy Walker. For more info on Billy's music, go to billywalker.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. I'm safe when I reach San Antonio.
This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.